welcome you to Doxodeo Hatfield, a multi-ethnic family on mission, passionate about Jesus, passionate about community, and passionate about serving the city of Chwaneka. My name is Bosov. I'm a partner here at Doxodeo Hatfield, and it's a privilege to take our, our series a step further. So we are, for those of you that are new here, we're in a series where we talk about come and see. So in this series, we go through the eyes, the lens of John, who's a disciple, he's a son of Zebedee, and he writes, he pens the last gospel. He's the last to, to write the gospel. His accounts of the gospel, he writes it when he's a, in a bit of a, an older age. He writes to the second generation of Christians, Jews, and Gentiles after Jesus walked the earth. And he writes it with a very specific purpose in mind. And that purpose we find in John 20, verse 31. If you want to know why John, the son of Zebedee, the disciple, writes this account... He gives us his thesis statement in John 20, verse 31. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing him, you may have life in his name. That's the reason why he is writing his account. It is as if he is trying to answer a very simple question that many of us are asking He's trying to answer this question. Was Jesus just a good person? Was he just a good spiritual man? Or was there more to him? Now, many of us ask ourselves that question, and, and we live it in real life. So we know that um, when we look at certain people, or we look at certain activities or engagements, we know that we many times answer the, ask the question, so is it easy or is that more than meets the eye? Is there more to this activity? Is there more to this person? Is there more to this exam? Is there more to this job? So I have something that I know that there's more to, something that I, there's two things that I really, really hate in life. It's rooibos tea. Sorry. This is just me. And I've got the mic. Okay. Rooibos <laughs> tea and photo shoots. As you can see, I don't like photo shoots. I've done many of them in, in business where they have to put things on websites, and they, but I, I really don't like them. And what they usually do is they get this photographer. They're really good at what they're doing. And then they say, you know, you know that you're doing very badly when, uh, when they go, oh, Mr. Grobler, you are a natural. And I think, you freaking liar. I hate this. And we had this occasion just, uh, just last weekend. Our son graduated, and we had this family photo shoot with his gown and his things and so on and so forth. And I was stressed going into this thing. I didn't tell my family. I don't really like it. So I researched how to have 
the perfect pouch. You find this on YouTube. You find tutorials. If you, well, sounds like you knew. Okay, I didn't know. And they say that you have to turn your head ever so slightly. Give it a shoulder. You know the people give the shoulder. I'm not going to mimic it. Don't worry about it. Uh, okay, well, no, I won't. Okay. So, and then it's all in the words. So you have to apparently say the word blue. And the top of your lip need to, needs to extend. And then you have to have your lips slightly parted and you say blue. Yes. It's harder than you think. It's harder. But we many times, we in, so we know it's true in real life. Now, there are things that that's, it's different to what it looks like. It looks easy when the models do it. It's not so easy when a chrobla does it. That's really... But today we're answering that question of, is, Jesus, is there more to Jesus than meets the eye? And it's relevant for Christians and non-Christians alike. Because if you're sitting here today and you are a Christian, that's the question that you ask when the wheels in your life comes off. And bad things happen and hurtful things happen and, and trials and tribulations come over your road and you're sitting there and you're saying, is this Jesus really the Son of Man? Is He really the Son of God? Is He really looking after me? Is He really there for me in difficult circumstances? Was He just a good spiritual man? Because we know that he walked the earth. There's more evidence of Jesus walking the earth than there is of Julius Caesar. So we know that he walked the earth. But was he just a man? Or was he the son of God? And then non-Christians ask this question as well. Because non-Christians have never experienced the fire that enters your soul when you experience the one that created the earth, that created you, that fills your being and pushes you towards being something that you never thought you could be other than through the power of His Holy Spirit. We all ask this question. And it is just massively important for us today, in my opinion, to answer this question. And in answering this question, I want to show you to something that is really profound in the gospel of, gospel of John. And that is that of all the gospel writers, John is the only one that does not narrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And that struck me as very strange because, I mean, the good news, this man that walked with Jesus for three years, this man that, that lived a life filled with the Holy Spirit, confessing the good news, the gospel about the, the birth of Jesus Christ from a virgin, and this whole story, he doesn't narrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So there's something here that he understands that I think is just so profound for us today in answering this question. And I think what he understands that we need to learn is the full context of the gospel. You see, context, as we have it on the screen here, um, means the following. It's the circumstances 
that form the setting for an event statement or an idea in terms of which you can fully understand. And I think that's the key that we have to unlock today, the full context of the gospel. That's what I believe John wants to lay in our hearts. Because if we understand the full context of the gospel, we will be able to answer the question, was Jesus just a good spiritual man or was there more to him? Now, John understands that the full context of the gospel does not start with the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, that might sound like heresy here. So just pause and breathe. Okay. The full context of the gospel, when you look through the eyes of John, what does John 1 say? So John starts his account of the gospel. He's the last to write. What is the full context of the gospel? He says it's this, John 1, verse 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet darkness did not overcome it. You see, he understands something of the full context of the gospel, that the starting point of the gospel was long before Jesus came to earth. And then when he says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the good news, so that if you believe in him, that you will have eternal life with him. When he says that, when you put these two pieces together, when you put John 1 together and you put John 3, 16 together, this is the full context of the gospel. God loved you from eternity past. From when the world had not even been formed, God knew you and he loved you from eternity past. He loved you so much that in the recent past, he sent his son to earth to die for you, to be able to reconcile your sinful life with a pure, holy father. That if in your present life you choose him as your savior, you will live a life with him through his spirit that will reverberate into an eternal future. You will live a life that be in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. That is the full context of the gospel. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. That is the full context of the gospel. And we know that context matters. Yes, context matters. It's like when I say to you, the first time that I introduced my wife, Blader, to my friends, she got up from the dinner table, she took her fist, and she punched one of them. Now you must say, context matters. Yes, because that sounds like I married a, a lady <laughs> with power, and I did. But the context is important because this, this getting up and punching was only after my friend's wife asked him this question incessantly. Honey, if there's something about me that you would change, what would that be? 
So to wives, that's like the most unfair question on earth. You don't ask your husband that. You don't ask your husband that in like proper circumstances. And she just, he said, there's nothing. And she said, honey, please, you, now you're not being honest. And now she said, he's a liar. And now at, at some point he had to defend himself. And then he made the mistake of answering the question and said, there are certain things that I would change. Now, this is church, so I won't tell you what it was, but my wife got up and she punched him. And we have been friends ever since. Okay. <laughs> Context matters. Context matters. Especially in the, in the context of the gospel. If you take the gospel as you want to understand it, and you apply it to your present context, without the full context of the gospel, you are going to come short. You will come short. I came short in my life because I took the, that context of the gospel that I wanted to understand and hear, and I applied it into my life. And then when I looked at, from a very young age, a teenage sister, rebellious in our house, and I experienced God in a context of saying, okay, so I need my parents, but my parents are trying to solve like a wrecking ball of a sibling. All their creativity, all their effort, everything that they had went into that sister, and I needed them desperately. And at that point in time, you started saying, okay, so I am not so sure that this God is more than just a spiritual man. When my mother then gets to a point that um, she's going to retire and she's going to now be able to spend time with us, or at least not with us, at least with our kids, she suddenly passes away at a very young age from a tooth abscess. And I'm saying, okay, so that's the point. That's the point in your life where context matters. My mom passes away, it creates this opportunity to, to heal some of the hurts that I had in my life, in my relationship with my father. And as I'm starting to walk a road with him, he is diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And now there's no chance for me to have a relationship or mend a relationship with him. You can mention as you're sitting here many things that have happened in your life, that if you take a substandard half-truth understanding of the gospel and apply it to that thing that happens in your life, you will ask the question, was Jesus just a good spiritual man, or is he who he claimed to be? As you're sitting here, I am sure that many of us are asking that question because we see those circumstances out of which that question was born. Context matters. And now what we want to do is we want to go into John. And we are going to read an account where Jesus asks more of a man that is asking this question, this very question that we are considering today. And this man's name is Nicodemus. And we find this in John 3, verse 1 to 20. 
Nicodemus we find described in John 3 verse 1 and 2. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform these signs you do unless God were with him. So here we see a man, Nicodemus, he's religious. He's influential. He's educated. And he is searching. Because he says to Jesus, there's something about you. We've seen many rabbis. I'm a Pharisee. We've seen people that have made a difference in our community. But mm, there's something about you that's different than what I've experienced before. I can't put my finger on it. Maybe it is some of these miracles that you have done, but there's something about you. And he leaves this open-ended question to Jesus. What he's, what he's asking Jesus is, are you just a good spiritual man? Or is there more to you? And then Jesus says this in verse 3. Truly I tell you, Unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, so then I go, okay, so where does this answer come from? It's like when you ask English people, would you care for some coffee? And they answer, I'm good, thank you. And I go, that's not what I asked you. I asked whether you want coffee. And you go, I'm good. Yes? Your English people are judging me right now, hey? For an Afrikaans person, that is peculiar. Answer the question. Context matters. Oh, what? Okay. Oh, they drink tea. They don't drink coffee. Okay, I get that. Okay. Good. <laughs> Jesus answers in a way that just, I read it and I said, where does this answer come from? Context of the Bible matters. You can't skip over these things that you and don't understand, and then it's, it's quite clear, if you look at the context, is that the Pharisees, the Jews at that point in time, they believed that if you are born a Jew, you will go to the kingdom of heaven. And now Jesus comes and he says, no, that's not the truth. In fact, that's a half-truth. That is not the full gospel. That's not the full context. You must be born again, and this man's wheels come off. He doesn't understand because they went even so far at that time where they believed that Abraham, Father Abraham, was standing at the gates of hell, at the gates of Hades, making sure that there would be no Jew that mistakenly goes in there. They were so sure. And Jesus comes and he takes his preconceived ideas and he blows it out of the water. That thing that formed his identity, he blows it out of the water. Verse 4 this man whose wheels now came off, he says, how can anyone be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother's womb a second time? You see, at this time, the Jews were just so sure of themselves. They knew that they knew that they knew that they were going to go to heaven, to the kingdom of God. And they knew that the promises of the new covenant that came out of the Old Testament were threefold. The first promise of the new covenant that came out of the Old Testament was this, that there would be a gathering of Israel. And now post the Babylonian exile, they had been gathered in part. 
The next promise that they believed out of the, the Old Testament was that there would be a cleansing and a spiritual transformation of the Jewish nation. And they, the Pharisees, believed that they were custodians of that renewal. So they were ticking the two boxes of we going. There's a train, we're on it, and we're on our way. The only thing that still had to happen in the New Covenant was the Messiah coming to reign over the Jews and the rest of the world. And I listen to what we believe, what they believe at that time, and I don't judge them because we live in a world where at the same time in history, all of humanity and what we believe is in crisis. If you have been sleeping over the past two years, COVID-19 hit us in a way that created a crisis of faith for Christians and a crisis of culture for the rest of the Western world. Why? Because Christians said, I serve God. So I will be protected, I will be fine, and then you're not. And then you lose someone that is dear to you, and then you lose a job, and then you lose a business, and then you lose yourself. And you're saying, how can that be? And you enter a crisis of faith where you ask the question, who is this Jesus? The rest of the, the Western world is in a crisis of culture. Because in secularism, you believe that I get what I want and I get what I desperately strive to get and then you can't even move out of your house. John is writing to us today in 2022 where he says, whether you are in a crisis of faith or whether you are in a crisis of culture, hear this. Because in those two scenarios, whether you're sitting here in a crisis of faith or in a crisis of culture, you're asking the question, who is Jesus? What do I make of him? And then verse 5, Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then in verse 6 and 7 he goes, if you are born in the physical, you can understand the physical. But if you are not born of the Spirit, you cannot understand the spiritual. Verse 9, this man's wheels are still off. How can these things be? And maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, how, how can it be that my understanding of the gospel was half context, half truth. How can it be? And then in verse 16, these words, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And then Jesus says to the Kedemus, you need to understand the full context. From eternity past, I knew you, I loved you. In the recent past, I sent my son that in the present, if you choose him, you will live a life into an eternal future that will reverberate with my love and my grace and my mercy. That's the full context of the gospel. Now, I want to make this point. There will come a time in your life, secularist or Christian, where the full context of the gospel will be the only thing that will save your life. The only thing. Not mates, not friends, 
not studies, not jobs. There will come a time in your life where the full context of the gospel would be what you need to survive a circumstance. Now that for me was, and I shared this before, was when I had a very bad horse riding accident. Now I've never shown you the pictures. Yes? So I'll show you just three pictures if you can see it, if you can put that up. So the horse that I came off of, off of, that was very African, sorry. Off of. Was that one to the, to the left of that picture, your left? So his name is Tidi. Tidi stands for, I won't tell you. Okay. When I fell, they were trying to give me a leg up because he's a big horse and I was sort of on the side of it. He's got a fright. He started bolting. I was hanging on the side and realized I'm going to get hurt if I don't let go and I let go and I got hurt. How I got hurt was my my shoulder plowed into that concrete pot plant. So I tried to redo that with one of these rubber hammers to see if I can make that dent. I was unable to. The force at which I went into that pot plant was quite high, and I don't don't know if you can see on the side of my head, those marks on the side of my head was actually the imprints of the side of the pot plant. So I was like very close to hitting my head straight on. So living in South Africa, you know that you're safe when the the paramedics rock up. And they stand you up and they slap you one and say, are you all right? And I said, no, you just slapped me. That was very sore. Long story short, ended up in an MRI scan a day later. And now I'm lying there because I had just gotten the news that that fall broke a lot of different things. But the most important was that it broke, it cracked my C1 vertebra. Okay, so C1 is right at the top, so if that thing goes, then you'll be uh, either dead or be paralyzed from, the, from your neck down. This was the, after the news where they told me, okay, guy, there's 50% chance that you will never walk again. That's when your wheels come off. Later, sitting outside of the MRI scan, I'm lying inside and I'm saying, God, how is this possible? If you are the Son of God, how is this possible? I serve you faithfully. I trust you. You've given me a passion in my heart that I'm living out. And now there's a possibility that I will never walk again. Who are you? And then, when you're sitting and you're applying the gospel into your present circumstances only, I promise you, you struggle. You're sitting here and you know what I'm talking about. This is my story. You have a different story. And when I was rolled out of the the MRI scan and the doctor said to me, Guy, you got very lucky. And I said, what do you mean? He told me, That God loved me from eternity past. Because what he told me was the only reason why you are walking still is because you were born with a C1 and a C2 vertebra that are naturally fused. Your God that made you, he didn't say that, that is my interpretation. My God that made me, loved me from eternity past. 
so that I could choose him. And when the chips are down, I know that he has got my back, whether I walk or not. He's got a reason for me to walk out of here. And I will walk with him into an eternal future that when the dark comes over me, the dark will not overcome the light. The light that God put in me, the the light that God put in your life. You've got a life where the chips have been down and you've asked this question. Who is Jesus? I'm telling you, in my experience, he's the son of God. And if you will allow him, you will experience him to be the son of God in your life. Jesus wants to be who he is, truly is in your life. The question today is, what will you do with this question? Was Jesus just a good spiritual man? Or is he the son of God? Somewhere in your life, you're going to have to answer that question. Somewhere. Jesus forces this question with Nicodemus. He forces it with him. Then he goes to John 3.19. And he says the following, if you have it up on the screen. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that the works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you need to make a call today. You need to make a call today. What will you make of this man, Jesus, who I really am? And there are only three categories of people sitting here today. Either somebody that is willing to take the full context of the gospel into their lives and live by it. Then there are people that are sitting here that will reject the full context. And then there are those that will go halfway and only believe half of it. And I believe that God wants to speak to those last two categories, rejectors and the half-truths. Because the rejectors live in this way. This is what the rejector says. I will live my life free of religious intervention. I will make decisions based on science, logic, reason, and what I feel is good for me. And then, pain and suffering enters your life, and then what? Then it's darkest before it goes pitch black. What then? When the secularist culture has no reference, no philosophy on how to deal with pain and suffering, nothing. And then for the, for the pe- people that might be sitting here that, that have believed a half-truth. You see, there might be a circumstance where, where you, you, you said, okay, so bad things happen to me, but the The truth is, the half-truth is, that if I just give Jesus time, he'll sort it out. So you say, my business is in trouble. God will send me a big client. Then you say, "Um, 
My child is rebellious. But Jesus will send him back. My spouse that's having affairs will turn back to me. And then, when your business is liquidated, your child hurts themselves beyond any measure, or you get divorced, what then? What do you make with the question, then? Who is Jesus? Because it's at those circumstances where I want to say this to you. It's in those circumstances that I want to say this to you. From eternity past, God loved you. There is nothing that happens in your life, never will happen in your life, that does not go through the filter of His sovereignty. All trials, tribulations, pain, suffering, uncertainty, fear, nothing goes unseen, unresolved, and without His mercy. This is a broken world, a broken world of darkness. But if you accept Jesus for who He really is, that darkness will not overcome the light that is in you. God did not break this world. God did not bring the darkness. He brought the light. The light is in you. The light in you, in the full context of the gospel, will shine in the darkest days that you will ever experience. And it will keep on shining if you allow it. That is the full context of his gospel. I want to pray for us as we close. Mana, if you would come up, if you don't mind. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, the full context of your gospel is uncomfortable to me. The full context that is brought into a broken world, a dark world, and calling us to accept the light and then to shine the light into the darkness. It's hard. Lord, I like the other version. That when I follow you, my light will only have light. But what, Lord, will I make of this truth? Of the gospel in its full context. Lord, I'm experiencing that you want want to ask people today, you need to make a call today. What will you make of this question? Was Jesus really the Son of God? If you're sitting here and you have rejected the gospel, and today you want to embrace it, today you have an opportunity I want to pray with you this prayer. If that's you, if you've been rejecting the gospel and you want to embrace it today because you know that it's the only thing that will save your life, I want to pray with you today. With all our heads bowed,
Jesus, I believe you to be who you said you are, who John confessed you to be, and who other Christians, although they have their mistakes, have experienced. You are the Son of God. I invite you and that reality into my life. And I know that if I surround myself with that truth and the people that can help me understand that truth in its full context, that my life will be saved. Thank you for this moment. Holy Spirit, I also want to ask that for those that you are indwelling, those that have accepted you into their lives, that you will through this week and through the months to come unpack the full context of who you are. We love you because you loved us first. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.